Well, it is Tuesday, meaning it's another weekly dose of your favorite podcast, your favorite sporting podcast, your favorite hockey podcast, your favorite everything. It's all encompassing. This podcast has it all. It is, of course, Hockey the Podcast. And I was lying a little bit. It's not exactly Tuesday. My side, it's Monday. We're recording a day earlier. And uh, when I say I'm recording, it's myself, Derek Alberts. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my co-host, Tyron Jabu Bana. Ty, how are you doing? Yeah, good thing to you, Derek. Uh, obviously, not actually a Tuesday. It's a Monday right now, but you'll be listening to this hopefully first thing on a Tuesday morning um, and having the sweet caress of uh, Derek's voice in your ears as you travel from your bedroom to the lounge for lockdown working at home. <laughs> um, I mean, Derek, I suppose it's better that they now listen to you, to us I don't know. Is it better? Sometimes people listen to us in their bedrooms or in their bathrooms now when they used to listen to us on the car train. Yeah, that that is... It's an awkward... Um I don't know, a motivator uh, 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 to, 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 to be able to, to speak to people while they're on the toilet or about to go into the shower. Um, if you are doing exactly that, well, good luck to you. Uh, if you are listening on, on the car train, and uh, then, uh, yeah, that's also pretty cool too. But, you know, it must be said, you spoke about the soothing sounds of my voice. Now, before we went on air and we were teeing up our next guest, uh, I said to him, Jeez, your, your voice sounds so, so good. And obviously I meant in terms of the quality of the reception that we're getting. Uh, he took it the other way, though, and uh, he was quite proud of himself, but, but as he should be, because his voice is also really, really cool. But before we get into him, uh, Ty, let's quickly talk numbers, because we're doing this a second time, because our, our first take was uh, a bit problematic. So we've already kind of done this little intro before. Uh, you won't hear that. We know about it, though. Uh, but yeah, we, we spoke about uh, this episode being... Uh, a, a pretty special one, just in terms of numbers. Yeah, especially as our guest today is an Arsenal fan, and although Arsenal are having a miserable run right now, and the number nine is more appropriate because that's the league position, um, this number is special to Arsenal fans because this is episode 49, and if you don't know what that is, you are probably not an Arsenal fan, or you're in denial. Um, and it also means that we are just one episode or the way we've been doing it, one week away from the big five zero something. Um, there was a little bit of a pipe dream about uh, 14, 15 months ago when we started this and, and here we are. And, you know, Derek, it's been amazing. We've spoken to some incredible hockey people, some incredible um, hockey stories that we've heard. And we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. There are so many people that we haven't spoken to yet that are on our list. Um, so it just keeps getting better, and, and today promises to be the same. Yeah, you speak about the pipe dream. I mean, you approached me about this idea uh, almost two years ago now, and uh, I still said to you, I mean, is there enough of a market for hockey? Is there Will there be enough guests? And, I mean, it's been hockey coming out of our ears. Um, we, we just we simply can't cram it all in, and, and that's despite consistently putting out a podcast on a weekly basis, which is pretty good going, if I, if I do say so myself. And, I mean, we, we've seen in the past with podcasts where they come and they go, they, they crash and burn pretty quickly. And, yeah, this has been going for almost two years, and, and it keeps on going from strength to strength, Ty. Yeah, I, th I think, Derek, what's, what's been really cool is, I mean, we saw in the lockdown specifically a lot of hockey content started coming out, and, and I was actually asked, do I feel threatened by it? And I said, no, I love it. Um, but, unfortunately, we've seen many of those ideas that came out have already stopped. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's not what we want. We want the story of hockey to be told. And so I'm proud that we can sit here and say, listen, over the past uh, 16 months, we have uh, tried to tell a story almost every single week. Um, and I think we've done that fairly, fairly well. And obviously now that we're in our, our new Tuesday slot, um, it's a, a podcast every single Tuesday. You can put your time, put it there every Tuesday. You are able to listen to a new Hockey the Podcast as we, we tell these amazing stories. So, you know, from my side, congratulations, Derek, to you and Tyron. I think it's a fantastic, <laughs> uh, fantastic run you've been on. Yeah, thanks. Congrats, Ty. And, uh, of course, you're the brains behind the whole thing. But uh, let's not blow our own horns just yet because uh, we can do plenty of that when we get to number 50 and we get to the half century. But uh, we've just gone past five minutes, and I think that is the longest intro we've had before introducing our guests. So, shame is that to sit around uh, hanging and listening and, and, uh, and trying, to, trying to conceal his laughter. But, uh, yeah, Ty, put us out of our misery. Well, it's ironic because he's had to do it twice. But uh, listen, in the future, people are going to talk about Graham Smith in that heroic innings where he broke his hand and ripped the cast off and walked out to the middle of the wicket to try and save a test against Australia and got very close. I mean, the Australian crowds went crazy. Uh, There's a story of Cesc Fabregas breaking his leg against Barcelona, taking a penalty and scoring and finishing the game, only to find out his leg was broken later. Of course, there's also going to be the story of Anton van Krug, uh, who for the rest of this, we will call Luckies just because it's much easier to say. Um, but uh, going to a an IPT final with a team having no spare keeper, basically losing the use of his left shoulder completely. And uh, was it the right shoulder? It, losing use. Losing the use of the left shoulder completely, standing up tops and and making an incredible amount of saves and uh, turning out to be the man who who took his team all the way to a gold medal. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the SA Indoor Hockey number one goalkeeper. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or if I'm supposed to say that, but uh, it is uh, my friend and uh, a world-class keeper, Anton van Lachenberg. Luckies, how are you? Keepers, guys, thank you so much. That's an incredible introduction. <laughs> Got yeah. red cheeks at the moment. Yeah, it's, a, it's and, an absolute uh, pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Anton. Sorry, man, we've run out of time, but thanks, thanks for coming on board. Cheers, <laughs> man. We'll catch up soon. <laughs> and that was episode 49. <laughs> <laughs> love no. it, love it, love it. <laughs> now, Anton, welcome to the show, man. And uh, yeah, sorry about that very, very long introduction, but uh, uh, two minutes were dedicated to you and absolutely worth it, too. Jeepers, guys, no, thank you. And uh, as I said before, it's an honor to, I would say walk, but just to talk amongst the players and people that you have out on the show. And to be nearly at 50 is incredible. What, what you guys do for hockey and the way you grow the sport is unbelievable. And to push out a podcast every week takes time and effort and it's just phenomenal. So it's an honor to be here and thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, and, and Anton, we obviously have to have to start with uh, the place that I was referring to as your intro and you and I have chatted about this on, a, on an Instagram chat, but it's important that we get a cheer on Hockey, the podcast. In the semi-final of this year's IPT, just, I mean, the IPT was basically played at the time that lockdown was announced. So it was the yeah, last bit of weekend hockey. before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember being at, at the IPT and thinking it was just surreal. 
that we were sitting here at an RPT when it was uh, this was happening, and it's like something weird is going on, and and it did, but something weird was happening on the field because in the semi-final, uh, you got yourself injured, and it was fairly certain your left shoulder that you weren't going to be able to play in the final. Um, as a, I mean, and as a goalkeeper, to only have one arm, uh, I mean, it doesn't just drop you by fifty percent; it probably drops you by sixty or seventy because of the lack of confidence that comes from that, the the doubt that it creeps in, the fact that you'll try and position yourself differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, take take 100%. us through that. Take us through that that experience of firstly, I'm out, and then secondly, actually, hang on, I'm playing, and not just am I playing, I'm going to put out a man-of-the-match performance and help my province to defend a trophy that they've never defended before. Um, it was honestly surreal, especially looking back at it. it was, it's been quite something. Um, and as I said a couple of times in, in the interview we had together over at the Blitzbox page, it was... I remember obviously going into an IPT, especially as Western Province, we're always looking to uh, that year defend our title, but always going for the gold. And to play in a final is a massive dream, whether you do it once or, or you've done it 10 times. And in that semi-final, I think yeah, I was 10 minutes before the end of the game, ended up diving to my left, landing awkwardly. And I just, yeah, just felt immense pain. And it, I had dislocated my left shoulder before, so I knew how it felt. Um, and I just knew, yep, it's happened again. Um, and I remember my heart just dropped. Um, and I remember seeing that they gave it, or it was a shorty to the 10th team. And I actually wanted to just be like, hey, let me just stand in goals to try to save this uh, <laughs> short, uh, or shorty. Um, but obviously, I, you know, I had to go off. I was in immense pain. And then I remember lying on the side of the turf and I just thought my entire goal of, of, of retaining that title with my province team had just been shattered, or me at least playing in a final had just been shattered. Um, and I was distraught. I'm pretty sure I had tears in my eyes. <laughs> I was really emotional on the side there, but obviously couldn't stop watching the game. Um, so I didn't want to leave the side of the turf, watch the boys um, or the province boys end up or making the final after beating Penn. Um, and they did really well without a keeper, 6v5. It was incredible heart shown by them. And then we walked away and I just, yeah, Obviously, super excited and happy that we made the final. But as a person, I mean, I was completely shattered. And I remember walking off um, and everyone was, are you okay? Obviously, concerned about me. And the first person I called was my mom. And I just said, mom, I won't be able to play in the final. Um, And obviously, she was upset. She knows it was a dream of mine, especially against when we found out we were playing Raiders. I mean, there's always a a tight contest. um, And I wanted to put them... And for me, not being able to play the final or potentially not being able to play the final was horrible. Um, and I spoke to Ross Willis, who was a coach of the West Province men's indoor team. Um, and I just said, I don't know. I, <laughs> I had a, we had a couple of parents that were doctors and, and they were saying, look, you're, you won't be able to use your left arm or anything. And it was still incredibly painful at the time. Um, and we, Ross just said, look, relax, calm down. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's just see what happens in a few hours, see how your arm is feeling, and then we can make a decision. Um, and of course, in my mind, I was thinking I was out. Um, and then a few hours went by, the, the pain went away, um, had a couple of chats with Ross, and I said, we have to play with the keeper. So, And I, I wouldn't want to leave the boys out there on the final, you know, without me being on the turf and feeling that action and, and helping them best I can, even in with a dislocated shoulder. 
so we came to a decision i was going to strap it and um strap it in different ways finally decided on a specific way and strap it use it as you know as little as i can and just position myself differently in the final just to allow myself the best opportunity to save every ball that comes at me um and then it came to final time I, honestly i i wasn't in pain i couldn't feel anything i couldn't move it um i said if i did extend it then i did feel immense pain but if i kept it still um in a specific position then it was fine and what happened was the game started um i remember we we tried to have a little or show that the, or tell the raiders that i wasn't going to play in the final and that they would just be playing up against six people try change their mindset and their tactics um so that's what we told them ended up starting although as a team we always or we knew i was going to start and then the game was pretty much a blur it was just the first save happened and i thought okay made a save no pain good i can do this and then another one and then at the end of the game when it was two all i honestly couldn't believe it um and then when i went to shoot outs i thought cheapers I, i don't know if i can do this because i really can't dive or jump or do anything um without feeling a bit of pain and worrying that my shoulder would come out again um and then we ended up i don't know how but making that final save um i remember dayan kasim scoring a flick and i just had to make the save and i thought we've come this far let me just do my best here and and ended up saving it and i remember in that moment i i don't even know why i doubted that i was was wasn't going to play the final i knew that my team would do anything for me and i had to do anything for my team so and it all just fell into place and yeah looking back at it now it's just an unbelievable experience and one that i yeah without it i'll never forget for the rest of my life anton you said you spoke to to ross uh, a couple of times prior to that final and and he was of the utmost opinion that that they needed a keeper and i mean that that makes perfect sense and i mean it, it must take an incredible um courage from both you and him to to allow you to go in goals um i know time mentioned graham smith at the top of the show in comparison but i mean graham went out there it was a dead rubber didn't really matter if we lost that game which obviously we ended up doing and yeah it was a pretty cool thing that he did but it wasn't as if there was a series on the line uh you on the other hand went into a final uh with pretty much one functioning arm and Yeah, that must have taken balls. Yeah, um I know well, Coach Ross and I have an extremely good relationship and we were just completely honest with each other. He said, "Look, I can't play in the final without a keeper." Um after the few hours he gave me just to compose myself again. Um and then I said, "Ross, I'll, yeah, I would never let you play in a final without me. I would never let my team, you know, I would always give my best for my team." So, that meant I had to strap and play and go through the pain. Well, then I was going to do it. So, yeah, thanks to Ross. I mean, he could have easily just said no, but he also backed my decision and trusted me uh, to to make sure that I can, you know, make the best decision and that I wouldn't in, interfere anything if by playing. You know, if I was wasn't confident and uh, me not having a, or only one arm ended up hindering the performance, then it wouldn't have worked out. But he trusted me, and I trusted him. Um, and yeah we ended up coming out on top and tell us about the celebrations afterwards and surely you must have been the man of the moment yeah <laughs> i did feel like a little bit of a celebrity <laughs> uh, which i had feeling um on the night out uh, it was an enjoyable night to say the least 
Um, obviously, defending it to get a title is a massive thing, and to defend one is even more difficult, I believe. And we did that. So, and I remember it just shows the team culture that we had. We went back to the hotel, and instead of just of course, we had a few drinks in that, but instead of just making it about massive celebration, which was the ultimate goal towards then, our first half an hour, 45 minutes, we just sat around in a circle and we literally just spoke to each other and, and almost said something nice about each other and just what we enjoyed and what they brought to the table. And it was just an incredible culture that we instilled. Um, and it was all about every single person gave their all during that, those few days of indoor IPT. Um, and to come away with the gold medal and then to share our stories and what it meant to each one afterwards was even more special. And it just shows that, of course, I enjoyed it, but so did, you know, 12, 13, 14 other men, which is incredible. Uh, sorry, I'm busy having a lack of chat with myself, but I forgot the mute button was on. Um, so, I mean, Anton, <laughs> exactly. obviously... How does it compare? I mean, in, in 2019, Western Province won the RPT, breaking what was a long-term duck. Um, very long. But in 2020, it's a very different thing going to a tournament as the defending champions. It's a different kind of pressure. It's a different kind of target. People want to beat the champions. Um, you know, how, how much did the mindset in the team change? And, and did you feel a different sort of pressure in this tournament? I definitely did. Um, going into the 2019 IPT, we were cert- not underdogs, but certainly weren't there with the greatest team compared to the others because, I mean, each year the indoor quality and quality of players is just getting unbelievable. Um, and we went in as underdogs and we almost used that. We fought and we fought for every decision and every ball um, and it, it worked. But now we spoke about before coming for the 2020 IPT, um, we spoke about it before and we said, we have targets on our backs. Um, teams are going to come at us. They're not going to take us lightly anymore. Um, we also had a few new players, a couple of different ones changed from 2019. So it was a slightly different dynamic. And of course, we had to work with that as well. Um, and then just that brotherhood we brought through from 2019, which was a massive part of our 2020 success as well. So although the players changed, the culture and the brotherhood didn't. Um, but I did feel like we had to work e- even harder in 2020 because, as I said, getting a title, um, especially as a slight underdogs, is, is one thing, but then to defend it. And we, we played the best teams we played. I mean, we played Northern, Southern. Unfortunately, Namibia weren't there. And then obviously Raiders in the final, along with many other quality teams. And I think we proved that the first time wasn't lucky um, and that we, we had to do it all again. And that's something that we did. Yeah, and, and obviously there was also a uh, a slight change in the teams. I mean, uh, you had the, the Baker brothers uh, last year. This year, Kyle Cameron from Eastern Gauteng came down. Aiden Tun from uh, Southerns came down. Okay. I mean, you guys are defending champions. You've got winning in your... Um, in your blood, you had that experience of winning. You know, how easy was it to replace some of those stars of 2019 with, with guys who, who did a fantastic job, but obviously did come in as the, the new boys? Um, I think it, it comes from what Ross has instilled as, as indoor in the Western Cape. And that's just, a mass, as I said earlier, a massive sense of culture and brotherhood. 
So, I mean, we have a 20 to 30-man training squad. So, And that started from last year. So we had a massive squad. We trained together so that the quality of the players on average is much higher because now we're training with the best. Everyone's training with each other, playing consistently. Ross is always, I mean, Wednesday we were training from about 9 to half past 10. We were just putting in those hours. And because of that group that Ross had created, um, the Western Province indoor squad pretty much, it was, although we lost some massive players, we also gained some really quality players. So, but that change from, you know, different, we all, or everyone knew what, what we were playing, what tactic, tactics we were playing with, um, how we felt and what we were doing in-game. Um, so to lose a few and gain a few others, they came in knowing exactly what to do. And I think that is a massive part of our winning or culture, especially over these last two years. And that's all thanks to Ross Willis. Um, and that's why the transition of bringing guys in um, is a lot easier because they understand what we do as a team and the culture we bring, and they complete that. And every, everyone that is, comes into our team is just another puzzle, a piece of the puzzle. Um, and it just builds up our ultimate, you know, our, our overall standard of the team. Anton, have you, I mean, you based in Western Province, known as the home of PSI yeah, hockey sure. with the Seals, Foxes and the Knights all from the region. How, how much did PSI help in your hockey development? Massively. Um, honestly, without PSI, the quality of hockey um, in South Africa wouldn't be nearly as much as it is. Um, I mean, they are, especially the youngsters are now playing in massive tournaments and they <clears throat> they understand that pressure that you feel in big games because they've experienced it year on year. Um, even the, I mean, or I want to say the younger and the smaller and the lower teams are also experiencing massive vibes, massive crowds, you know, a huge tournament feel. <clears throat> and that just shows, especially in the youngsters coming into the indoor setup straight out of high school. Um, so, and for me personally, it was huge. I played PSI in, in junior school and that's where, where my love started for the game. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't uh, partake it in high school, but then straight away, there was a different dynamic because as indoor, outside of school, was very small. Um, but due to PSI and the size that it's grown, suddenly more people are getting on board, especially um, like people like Ross Willis and PSI trying to instill a massive culture of indoor out of school. Um, and hopefully one day they can merge. Um, but PSI as a whole has ultimately lifted our South African indoor hockey to heights that it would definitely wouldn't be if it was or if PSI didn't exist. Yeah, you, you mentioned and, and youngsters. Speaking, oh. <laughs> 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 were, were you going to ask what I'm going to ask, Ty? Probably. <laughs> you go for it and then I'll, I'll tell you if it was. Yeah, you, you mentioned youngsters. And I mean, how nice, how lacquer. Uh, sorry, international audience, is it to, to play with the likes of the Kasims and, and Ryan Julius? Yeah, same question. It, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's breathtaking, in all honesty. Um, I mean, I mean, luckily, I'm a, or I'm a goalkeeper, so I get to see the full field. And of course, I, can, I can't do pretty much anything with the indoor stick and on the, or playing outfield. But sometimes I stand in goals and I just watch what these guys can do, and it's just like, wow. Um, it's almost like things you can't really learn. It's just like, you know, they do it in a situation. It's just in, or yeah, they, it's almost like muscle memory. Um, and it's truly incredible. And there's so many people 
especially being at IPT this year, that, as I said earlier, the quality of indoor was unbelievable. And I mean, it's, it's very, it makes the future very exciting. But to stand at the back and watch the youngsters coming through as if they've never played or as if they've always been playing with the older guys, it's, yeah, it's remarkable. And it's obviously pushing the older guys even further because now we have to perform at a much higher level because these youngsters are coming in fitter with more skill and they're keeping us on, the, or on our toes. And speaking of the youngsters, obviously you also had the opportunity through PSI to play alongside some of the greatest international uh, players there, there's ever been when you played for the international all-stars. I mean, alongside the likes of uh, Robert Tiggers. I mean, uh, Tane Rowoff, Nicky Lice. I mean, these are World Cup winning indoor hockey players. Um, and all because Lawrence Gudegebira's... Uh, uh, goalkeeper kit got lost in, in transition. But uh, I think importantly, I mean, that, that experience obviously helped you realize, shit, I'm good enough. Yeah. Um, I remember, or just before that first game started, um, when I was playing for the All-Stars, uh, we actually played South Africa. And I just remembered this is where I want to be, but except I want to be on the other side. Um, and that match that I ended up playing just by pure flip, because as you said, his kit got stuck at an airport, um, gave me unbelievable confidence because I, I, well, I thought I played pretty well in that game. And then in my mind, I thought I can play at this level. And if I'm only going to be working harder to get better and better, I'm, it makes the future really exciting for me. So to play with them, it was just a different level. I've never been exposed to or indoor hockey at that level before, of course. Um, and playing with them is even more exciting because you watch them and you're just left bewildered. But then playing with them and showing or seeing how they work, hearing them speak to you and understand the game is just a whole nother dynamic. And uh, ever since then, it just gave me the confidence to one day hopefully wear the green and gold and play on the other side. And although it was amazing playing for the All-Stars, <laughs> I would have prefer- preferred playing for the, the Blitzbox. Um, and that sort of pushed my dream to wear the green and gold. It was an unbelievable experience. I'll never forget it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, uh, that, that came sooner rather than later, uh, making your debut against Switzerland. Um, that was in October last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, talk us through that. Sure. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was an exciting moment for me. Um, one of my dreams had just come true. Um, so I remember the, the squad was announced and I've been working towards it year after year, having that ultimate goal in mind. Um, and then the squad came through and I saw that I was part of the squad and it was just, I called my mom immediately. I said, mom, all the hard work, you know, all the time you've spent um, has paid off. And uh, then unfortunately, um, Cizwe Mtembu was meant to play uh, in the Durban series, he injured his shoulder. Um, and that morning, I got a call from Alistair Fredericks, the, I think two days before the start of the Swiss series. And he said, we need you to come up to Durban. Unfortunately, Cesar is injured because um, I was only meant to play in the Cape Town leg. Um, and so that realization that I was about to play my, for my country be, or came a lot sooner than I expected. And I was like a kid in a candy shop after the phone call. I was uh, yeah, I was, I was truly ecstatic. 
um, ended up heading through there, arriving as the boys were training, met or met a couple of them, and you could immediately feel that this is a whole nother ball game. This is intense. This is this is where I wanted and always wanted to be. Um, and we trained as a unit, and then came the day um, potentially of my debut, and I was ext- I'm not usually I'm not one to get nervous. Um, I yeah. But that day was just, uh, I could hardly speak. I was just super nervous. And before the game, we were, you know, getting ready in the change room. And I remember slipping on my, my green and gold SA shirt. And I just looked around and everyone was in there. And I just thought this literally sitting here right now has been a dream of mine for so long. And it's finally come true. And then to sing the national anthem, I literally had tears in my eyes. Um, and I always say to everyone that national anthem has made me push on and always want to recreate that feeling um, of singing the national anthem and about to play for your country. And I never want to let that go. Um, and it was an unbelievable experience. Um, and hopefully it's just the start of many memories in the green and gold. Um, and there's a dream come true. <laughs> just never, never, never stop believing. And and did the experience meet your expectations, exceed your expectations? I mean, I've I've heard horror stories in the past uh, across sporting codes from people making their debuts for their country, where they, they they live for the moment, understandably so. And they say more often than not, the the situation soured by the reception of of some of the players. You've got the old hands in the squad who treat them pretty much like shit, and they ignore them, and uh, they kind of just treat them like. Oh, you're the runaround guy. I mean, were, were you well received or, or did you have to earn your spurs up front? Oh, jeepers. No, it exceeded my expectations 100%. Um, I think what, what played a massive part is that the team was extremely young. I'm pretty sure most of us made our debut at the Swiss series. And as I arrived, I remember um, Coach David and, and Ryan coming up to me and introduce, introducing themselves, saying, hello, good for you to be here. And people, you know, walking up to me and just saying their hellos, people that I've only been playing against and I've chatted to a few times and now they're my teammates and my brothers. And immediately from that first training session, you could feel something was different. I have heard those stories that you just said um, about youngsters coming in and, and not feeling very welcome. But the team culture that we have at the moment is second to none. Um, and that was felt right from the start. And I think that group of, of you know, plenty of debutants and mixed with, a lot of massive hearts and good good people and good humans, I think, took that experience just to a whole nother level. And then immediately as we were binding each other's arms for the national anthem, you could feel, you could look to your right, that guy was going to give you all for you. Look to your left, he was going to give you all. Um, and that culture, I felt, began right there. And we've only ever been trying to lift that and improve that. Um, so no, it ex- exceeded my expectations. Yeah, completely. And uh, of course, you can have the greatest of debuts in terms of the experience just getting into the side. But of course, it can all come, count for naught if you get thrashed uh, on the field. And, and that wasn't the case. Unless, unless you're a Swiss person making their debut. <laughs> yeah, the, the Swiss series was... I think it even left us quite uh, yeah, speechless because we, we didn't know what to expect. I mean, we knew the Swiss are an incredibly talented team. And then after, or to draw two all from coming 2-0 down, uh, to draw two all in the first game, especially on that slippery court, um, just gave us a world of confidence. And we all thought, jeepers, um, it's not as scary as it seems. And the talent w- among us is, 
definitely can, or we believe can compete with the rest of the world. And that first draw, we just pushed on from there. And yeah, luckily for me, it wasn't a, a bad debut um, to get the draw. But uh, yeah, it was oh, to beat a, to beat Swiss uh, or the Swiss and get a series five nil is a, is a great start. Yeah, not just a great start. Uh, yeah, great is almost an undersell. It's like when uh, you know at the at the, an SA Sports Awards they were saying you know Derek is a, a great podcast host. It's an undersell. It's it's 100%. so much more than that, hey, Derek. <laughs> um, but no, in, in all seriousness, it was it was thrilling. It was uh, stupendous. It was. You know, a serious victory against the top 10 nation and not just a serious victory, a whitewash. Uh, and some of those results were close, but probably shouldn't have been as close as they were uh, due to inexperience of players uh, allowing a few opportunities. So it was only going strength to strength. It was getting exciting. We had a squad selected for um, to play against Namibia up at Wits. Uh, that squad was obviously never released because as we were about to announce it, obviously COVID happened. And that's kind of derailed everything a little bit now. Uh, in terms of 2020, there's been essentially no hockey since IPT. And and in truth, uh, we're only hopeful that there's any hockey after this um, for the remainder of the year. However, there is an indoor World Cup currently scheduled for 2018, uh, 2021 uh, in February in Belgium. I mean, obviously, in the current squad, there's three goalkeepers. Uh, plus, four. we know... Yeah. Well, yeah, four, actually. Sorry, sorry, Bongo Musa. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the four goalkeepers, and we also know that should there be one more RPT, the likes of uh, Richard Curtis may come down. It's not likely yeah. that there'll be another RPT, but there's, there's four keepers, there's That's two exciting. spots. There's no planning. Uh, there's no training camp currently because of Corona. Our Namibia series got postponed. It is looking highly unlikely that there will be an African Cup this year, which means that obviously for you, it's great that we'll qualify. Uh, if there's no African Cup, yeah. as the high-ranked country. Uh, not great for our women. But, I mean, Anton, I mean, what is that sitting on your mind? I mean, obviously, you want to go to Belgium. You want to be part of the squad. But so does Sizwe, so does Cameron, so does Bong Musa. Um, you know, how much of a competition is sitting there and... Uh, yeah, I mean, what's 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 the mindset right now? Because lockdown can very easily derail physical fitness, but more importantly, derail the mental fitness. Uh, yeah, it's very tough during these uncertain times, especially with COVID, as you said, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, I mean, we all would love the Belgium World Cup or the Indoor World Cup to happen. I mean, we're not sure if that's going to happen, um, but we really hope it does. And Although it is uncertain times, I feel every single player in the, in the, in the squad has a dream of playing at that World Cup. Um, and I think everyone is showing immense character to get through these times, putting in the work. Um, we have such a good culture. We meet for yoga twice a week, a conditioning session. And we've had a few Zoom calls, you know, just chatting. And that just shows the culture. And it shows that everyone is putting in the hard work. And if you are not, you can see that everyone else is. And then, of course, you had a massive disadvantage. Um, so the competition um, in the squad is at an all, all-time high because you have, what, about 24 people going for 12 spots, um, 24 extremely talented individuals going for 12 spots. And 
you have to stay on top of your, you know, your fitness, your mental side of things um, and all that. And if you're not, then of course you'll be left in the dust. Um, and with regards to my keepers, I think we have four of, yeah, I, I mean, of course, bias, but four of the greatest keepers around, um, hope, or I believe on an international scale. And the competition between us is incredible. But once again, we have such a good bond um, and we have to keep working hard and keep pushing one another um, because the two that they select going to the World Cup, then those will be the best two for South Africa. And although you, you'll be disappointed if you're not one of those two, you got to look at it as a, that's the best for the country and you want the best for the country to compete at the highest level. So we're each pushing each other, especially as a goalkeeper unit. We're staying nice and tight, pushing one another, working hard. And as a squad, because we're all working so hard, we're just pushing one another to a whole nother level. And that will ultimately result in us, you know, doing the best we can at the World Cup. Um, of course, we still have to qualify if AFCON happens, um, which we do want it to happen because you want to compete and play against the best in Africa in order to make our mark and stamp it so that we, you know, we earn the right to go to the World Cup. Um, but as a unit, we are, we are working together for the ultimate goal individually to make the World Cup team. You speak about that goalkeeping unit. You also had a, uh, a challenge between the four goalkeepers uh, that I put out there for you. Uh, and, and that challenge for those who, who hadn't seen it was who could kit up the quickest. So uh, yeah. from completely unkitted to kit it up, ready for action, ready to have the ball smacked at you at 200 k's an hour. Uh, Anton, how did you fare? So I, I'm pretty sure I was on the lower end out of us four. I think I got just over or just under two minutes, um, which I think was, the, if I'm not mistaken, either the third or the second um, quickest. So, yeah, I wasn't number one, um, but I mean, I did try my best and it was pretty difficult. So I, I'm pretty sure Bonga or, or Cam came number one. And I remember number one, I think it was Bonga, absolutely smashed. It got like a minute 20 or something. So, yeah, yeah that is yeah, an unbelievable. Bonga was number one. But I, I mean, Derek, I'm, I think you might enjoy the, the choice of language there. Was I was third quickest. Not second slowest. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Awful type of guy. Yeah, no, great. Well, you have to be because you are an Arsenal fan. And uh, yeah. so I, I know yeah. that uh, you're a big Arsenal fan. What what other sport uh, uh, has your yeah. heart? Tag rugby. Uh, one of my good friends got me into tag rugby because he, or he plays for the national team. Um, and it's immense. He's you haven't played tag rugby um, get involved because it's so much fun, especially as a goalkeeper. I think it, you know, it works on those quick reactions and that speed. Um, Just don't do a wait for kick, please. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, soccer. I love playing soccer. Uh, play at UCT in their league. Um, so yeah, soccer is definitely up there. And in terms of uh, being a fan, any sports that you particularly enjoy watching? Um, sure, love watching the blitz. Uh, the blitz box. Um, and recently, because of lockdown, I've actually gotten into quite a lot of MMA. Um, one of my dig, or digs mates is massive into it and knows and, or does it as a sport. So he knows the ins and outs and the techniques and that. And he got me involved. So I've been waking up quite early, four in the morning, watching a few of the fights, uh, which has been very interesting, especially with not having any sport for so long. I just wanted to get some form of action. Yeah, it, it is amazing how many people have 
suddenly discovered new sports uh, because of the lack of their usually their first choices. So suddenly, like the F1s, etc. I mean, F1 suddenly back back in the mix. Uh, but before that, we had esports, and uh, I I've been amazed at how many friends of mine who now are avid video gamers uh, before they couldn't care less. But but then it became suddenly the the, the only sport that was available. So it, it, is, it has been a massive benefit for, for those type of sports, uh, this lockdown. But unfortunately, uh, those that have been on the wrong side, there's been far more horror stories than not. So, so that has been a, a massive problem. And I, I mean, you talk about having to, to keep fit, etc. I mean, anything else that, that's managed to, to keep your mind active? I mean, never mind the body, but just being able to, to think about life? Um, so yeah, still heavily involved with my studies. So luckily I'm on a, I'm on a small holiday now, but that obviously keeps my mind active and keeps it going during this lockdown. Um, and it is extremely tough to not have coaching and, and just playing sport pretty much every day. It's mentally taxing. I've, yeah, I never had so much free time and don't know what to do with all of it. Um, and I've, yeah, I've read a couple of books, um, definitely getting more involved in that. Um, but I think my academics is what's keeping my brain ticking at the moment. Tell us about your academics. So I'm doing uh, my PGCE, which is teaching this year, economics and math. And I said to Ty and I interview, it's, it's become a dream these past two years, especially from coaching. Um, I just felt I could be, a, or I can become a teacher and just, you know, make an even greater impact than I could on the, on the field. Um, so I thought, why not do something I'm massively passionate and love um so at the moment just finishing it off um and then i look forward to to begin my teaching career next year magnificent so uh, i think that that pretty much wraps up the business end of of the, the interview uh is it time ty yeah business in the front party at the back it's time for the mullet known as the one question quiz yes it's good all right, so Anton, as you know, this question is either linked to your name, your surname, uh, which there's not very many <laughs> questions linked to your surname, uh, uh, or it's linked to your career, and yours, in your case, is a career-based question. We want to know, who scored the first ever international goal against you in indoor hockey? First ever international goal. Um, I can remember it. It was a short corner. I can tell you it's oh, from no Switzerland. Word. I can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I can picture his face. I just have no idea what his name is. And I can picture the goal completely. I'll never forget it. Um, but no, I, he, I can't his, surname, his surname is probably more of a girl's name. Sure. Honestly, I can't think of a tie. Jeepers. If I if I say Polo, you say. Oh, Marco! Um, oh man, I can't believe it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Marco, sure, Ty, you're gonna have to help me here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any more clues? I'm basically doing the answer for you. When you when you said it when you said it when you said, like a, right um, when you said a, a lady's name. Is there another famous Swiss lady with the same surname? No, like English lady with that uh, her first name. Uh, I was Marco. thinking Marco Hingis. Oh, no. 
No, even even simpler, more literal a clue than that is it's a lady's name. Is his surname? Marco uh, Michelle. No, that can also be a guy's name. No, Marco. Do you know what's funny is Derek's actually right. It is Marco Michelle. No way. Oh. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so Derek, well done. Thank the prize you. is on its way to you, Derek. Yes. A virtual high five. Oh man. Just don't hit your screen. Don't hit your screen too hard. Thanks for helping me, So apologies, Anton. So Anton, I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, so, and and we speak about this often on the show, so I'm not gonna repeated ad nauseum but we host this lockdown sports quiz on tuesdays and thursdays and it's become really really popular but as a byproduct of that myself and ty have quiz questions and answers coming out of our ears so the minute i hear a question my, my default is just to try and think about the answer yeah. And I didn't. I obviously didn't know it. It's and I was just talent. singing, and I loved working it out. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> so, I mean, as I'm speaking to you now, I'm, I'm about to prep for for one that we're hosting tonight. So my apologies for jumping the gun. Um, yeah. I know. I know that Michelle yeah, was on the tip of your tongue anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it was close. It was close. It's. It, uh, but it was not close enough to light the cigar. That's okay. You're an Arsenal fan. You know about disappointments. So. Um, <laughs> Shots fired, but by a fellow Arsenal fan. That's because that's exactly what Arsenal's defense do is fire shots at each other. Kill you, uh, anyway, this is not the Arsenal Misery podcast. This is Hockey the Podcast. Anton, you have had a fantastic rise to the top. I, I still am of the opinion that it should have happened even sooner, but I'm glad that it Thank has happened. Um, and yeah, I think you're doing a fantastic job being a, a great ambassador for the sport uh, in our country and just for the sports in general. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you as our guest on episode 49, um, our 60th guest, 60th guest on episode 49. And uh, yeah, we uh, we look forward to having you back on episode 99 when uh, those uh, five caps okay. become 35 caps and you've lifted the World Cup in Belgium. That's the dream. That's the dream. Thank you for allowing me to chat to you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for all you do for SA Hockey, it's incredible. Can't thank you enough. Oh, man. Thanks so much, Anton Cheeks. And it's been great having you on the show. And uh, a great interview. Man, you really spoke from the heart. It was uh, really, really cool to listen to. Thanks so much, Derek. It was, yeah, I love uh, reminiscing. And as Ty said, the ultimate goal is to do, do a job at the World Cup. And hopefully we can get there. And as, as South Africa, you know, show the world that we as an indoor group can can compete with the best. So thanks for allowing me to chat and share my stories. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thanks, Anton. Keep well. Chat to you soon. Thank you, guys. Cheers, cheers. Ciao. Cheers. Uh, yeah, Derek, so obviously for the SA Hockey Men, it's, it's an interesting time uh, indoor hockey men waiting on whether the African Cup will happen. Of course, Africa and hockey have said it must happen before the end of August uh, in order for um, it to count as a qualifier. Uh, otherwise, if it doesn't happen, the team who's top-ranked automatically qualifies. But of course, at this point in time, I'd, I'm not sure that we will have a World Cup in February in Belgium. Um, I think we may be getting to the point where it is delayed by a year just for common sense to prevail and allow uh, the healing process to happen. And if that happens, I'm sure there will be scope to postpone the African Cup into the new year when it uh, 
healthier and safer for people to play. Yeah, I, uh, it's amazing because it's almost like we've got two steps forward uh, or one step forward, two steps back. Uh, with regards to lockdown regulations, etc. So, and I'm not just talking about South Africa, I'm talking about the world, because just when you think that, um, God, I, I hate saying it, but year ago again, light at the end of the tunnel, it just tends to darken again. And and, and we find ourselves in limbo, you know, the, the more sports that get re-released out into the public, although the public aren't allowed to be there, you think, oh, cool, you know, we've turned a corner. But then something else happens and then there's more... Um, positive cases uh, by by the hundreds, and and we saw what happened in that silly tennis tournament by Novak Djokovic, and and how that uh, put tennis on the back foot again. So yeah, I mean, it's, people have asked me, you know, when when sports can resume, as if I've uh, I'm the doyen to this stuff, which I certainly am not. But I mean, I, I simply reply like, you know, how long is a piece of string? Because we simply don't know, and and it's in char- uncharted territories. We've we've never been in this position before as a generation. And we, we simply have no idea how to deal with it. So hopefully hockey and all sport returns sooner rather than later. But right now, it doesn't look too promising. No, Derek, and I think the, the big thing is obviously safety comes first. And, mm. uh, you know, um, I think sport will return, as we've seen around the world. Uh, sport will return in a very different form. Yeah. I think uh, the chances that we're going to see stadiums packed on a hockey hockey field and a rugby field I, I, I don't think those days are, are close right now I think those are further away but uh, empty stadium sports that that can definitely return probably fairly soon golf has done it well football has done it fairly well uh, rugby seems to be doing it well in Australia because they must have restrictions because there's no one in the crowd um they don't have restrictions just nobody wants to watch it <laughs> but um, yeah I mean look it, it, it's a strange world and look all we can do is provide people with something to take their mind off and sorry I'm putting their mind straight back onto it while we speak now but something to take off your mind for an hour uh, disconnect from the stress of the world listen to an amazing hockey story and know that when hockey does resume we are in some really good hands here in South Africa yeah yeah let's hold thumbs oh Ty it's been brilliant as always what a guest uh, really impressed by Anton and uh, yeah we, we can see he's got a very very bright future ahead of him as both a player and as a teacher and as a, a human being too but yeah that wraps up episode 49 as we look forward to the big 5-0 yeah let's let, let's tell everyone there's something special planned and then uh, when we log off let's start planning oh god okay cool it begins again. <laughs> no, there is something great planned, and uh, we're really excited for it. But, uh, Ty, thanks so much, and catch you at the Milestone episode. Yeah, but also see you on the corporate quiz in two hours' time. <laughs> Cheers, Ty. <laughs> Cheers.